0: Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk to you about an investment strategy that I call live vesting and it's a a tilt on the rent vesting strategy that you might be familiar with. So rent vesting is all about uh renting in the location and type of property that you want to live in from a pure lifestyle perspective, thereby freeing up all your equity and cash and cash flow so that you can make pure investments. So invest in properties wherever you want to invest them that make the best uh have the best investment fundamentals and then just go and rent wherever you want to uh wherever you want to live. And uh, rent vesting, I guess, solves the problem that, you know, if we go and buy where we want to live, it might be so expensive that it exhausts all our capacity uh, to do anything else. However, in my experience uh, with dealing with clients, uh, rent vesting has some challenges, and it's not for everyone. Um, and there's probably three common challenges. The first one is an emotional one. Uh, some people just don't like uh, rent vesting, that, uh, renting their home, I should say. Uh, emotionally, they want to feel like they own the home that they live in for a security perspective. And, uh, you know, some people just think rent, rent money is dead money. So emotionally, they just can't align with that strategy. Uh, secondly, if uh, you have children and you're rent vesting, that can be a bit of a challenge as well because if they're going to a school in the local area, Then the landlord changes his mind, decides to sell the property or occupy the property. You've now then got to find yourself a new home within a relatively short period of time that is still conveniently located pretty close to that school. And then it's going to depend on the volume of stock in the market and your requirements of whether how easy or hard that's going to be. And thirdly, uh, what if you change your mind? So it's great to develop a strategy and implement it today a rent vesting strategy and exhaust all your borrowing capacity by investing in properties but what happens if you wake up one day and think this is just not working for me I want to go off and buy a home and quite often I find clients might be of a certain frame of mind a certain stage of life that renting is fine and then they get to a certain stage of life where that's no longer fine and that's not uncommon so you know it's about um, understanding that your desires and preferences and comfort levels will be different at certain ages throughout your life. So rent vesting on paper probably works better than in, um, in real life. Um, obviously the challenge that rent vesting, uh, tries to address is the fact that you're spreading yourself too thin. You know, that, um, either you, if you go and buy the home that you really want, doesn't leave you any capacity to invest or if you try and, um spread your capacity evenly over buying a home and funding that and also funding investment properties the risk is that you end up with a with a portfolio of very average properties just purely because you've tried to accommodate um you know your your goals but you've had to compromise on the price locality and quality of of said assets um so uh, let's talk about uh live vesting then and um, this is a strategy that uh, I've worked on with a few, for a few clients, and it's becoming more common. And this strategy essentially involves using all your capacity to invest in the highest quality property possible. So that's really the home. And the home is bought purely or as much as possible on investment fundamentals and for future strong compounding capital growth but also kind of ticks some lifestyle boxes as well. And the holy grail for some people is buying in a really good public school zone. So if you've got a highly rated public school in a certain zone, typically that also stimulates capital growth in the property market as well. And if you can do that, you can kind of tick two boxes in that you buy a home that's going to have good capital growth prospects, but also you no longer no need to necessarily spend an exorbitant amount of money on private school education. Uh, so a live investing strategy, live vesting strategy, um, typically requires, or, or um, the common theme is that it it requires a very large home non deductible home loan. And typically, in a strategy, in a traditional investment strategy, you know the goal would be to get rid of the non deductible debt as soon as possible, and certainly. Uh, Take no debt into retirement, and you normally rely on cash flow enabled to do that. Um, But the uh, live vesting uh, strategy is premised on the idea that you're going to occupy this property but only for a finite period of time, and then that you will sell that property, crystallize the tax free capital gain, um, and then part of that gain will be contributed towards your retirement, and part of the gain will be contributed towards buying a, a replacement home and that might happen before you retire or it might happen when the kids eventually move out or finish school or, or university and so forth. Obviously that depends on, uh, depends on your plan. So it's really about servicing the home loan through that period of occupation rather than necessarily as the traditional sense of buying a home and then repaying it. So let me uh, use uh, why or give you an example um uh, of, of some clients um, uh, where it demonstrates where live vesting might be better than the traditional way of sort of looking at a financial plan so let's assume that um, Rick and Karen are married they 've got two kids family income of uh, three hundred and seventy thousand dollars so a pretty significant family income and really this strategy really appeals or is most suitable to to um, uh, people, professionals that have a, a, a higher than average income because they typically want to live in those blue chip areas um, and they have the capacity to be able to service quite a high level of non deductible debt. Um, at the moment, Rick and Karen's uh, home is worth one and a half million dollars and they've got a half a million dollar mortgage, meaning they've got a million dollars of equity. So, as I say it, they've got. Uh, Rick and Karen have got two options. The first option is maybe to upgrade their home to, say, $2 million, so therefore buying a little bit more accommodation, probably same sort of land value. Uh, And also they've got the capacity to to make an uh, investment-grade, entry-level investment-grade acquisition for about $600,000. So $2 million home, $600,000 investment property will result in about $1.8 million of debt exposure. Option two, however, is swing for the fences and... Buy the highest quality home. So, what you're trying to do is take your million dollars of equity and put it into a a property that has the highest probability of producing the strongest capital growth. And so, therefore, that would involve them buying a three million dollar family home and no investments. And then the net debt exposure would be 2.2 million dollars, so slightly more than the first option. Now, if we Assume in option 1, which is by the $2 million home and the investment property, if we assume they've had to compromise a bit, you know, they've bought more accommodation value um, and, you know, they've got an entry-level property, let's say because they've compromised on the asset quality, let's say the uh, capital growth rate is 6%, whereas for the pure high-grade home, the capital growth rate is, say, 9%. Well, in 20 years, under option one, they'll have about $6 million of equity. And under option two, they'll have about 13 to $14 million of equity. So twice the amount of equity after tax um, uh, in those options. And that's where live vesting really comes into its own, where you're going to get that compounding capital growth. Now, there's two. Uh, this strategy is premised on two really important uh, assumptions. The first assumption is that Rick and Karen don't have the capacity to be able to do both. That is, buy a home without making compromises and buy the highest quality investment property without making compromises. And the second um, premise is that they get the asset selection perfect, particularly in option two where they're going for the family home. That is, they buy something that has significant capital growth prospects. And remember, I can't uh, emphasise this enough, the the live vesting strategy is Um, The the fundamental assumption under that to make it work is that we're buying a a fantastic family home in a blue-chip location, quiet street, strong land value component, very strong historic growth, you know, that's the sort of picture. Okay, so there's four risks that we need to consider with the live-vesting strategy. It's not for everyone, and we need to think about the risks. The first one is concentration risk. You know, this strategy is concentrated into one asset and, you know, as the saying goes, um, don't put all your eggs in one basket. This is an eggs in one basket strategy. Now, that in itself isn't necessarily a major concern as long as it's a really great, great quality basket. And that's, again, one of the underlying assumptions, but there is an element of risk there. Uh, two, there's a borrowing risk, you know, the risk of being able to service a large mortgage and continue to service a large mortgage without creating undue emotional or financial stress. That just goes back to um, planning, uh, making sure you've got buffers, you've got the right insurances in place, doing all the prudent sort of stuff, but certainly not over borrowing. Uh, number third risk is the unwillingness to downsize at a particular period of time. You know, if we've said, okay, we want to retire at sixty, so we're going to downsize at fifty-nine. You get to fifty-nine, you don't want to do it. You know, you've got to think about or consider um, uh, that that risk. And, and the fourth risk with the live vesting strategy is poor implementation. So you get the wrong budget, strike the wrong budget. You don't have the right loan structure, and most importantly, you you mess up the asset selection so you don't end up buying something that has outstanding capital growth prospects. Um, so all these risks can, can be accommodated typically with good quality independent advice and advice from a very reputable uh, buyer's agent. The thing is, I think with a certain sector of the market, and that is typically higher income earning professionals that want to live in really established blue chip locations, I think... Uh, the ideal will, will change and has changed over time. You know, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, the, the, the typical, um, approach to life is, you know, go and get married, have kids, buy a home, build a career with the same employer, work hard to repay your home, loan and then retire. And really since the 90s and through the 2000s, people wised on to really accessing equity and becoming more proactive with, building wealth and they, you know, they repaid their home loan as fast as they could and then they borrowed against the equity, to go and buy some investment properties and that really helped. And I suspect for a certain amount of people, the notion of going and buying a home and repaying the home loan um, will um, be less attainable, particularly, again, in these really good quality blue chip areas. And maybe what they'll need to make friends with is the fact that they'll just be servicing a loan for the period of occupation until much time that they'll sell, divest and pull out a, a substantial amount of equity. And remember in these blue chip suburbs, few people actually have mortgages. Most people, uh, their, their properties pass through uh, families and they have very little debt against them. So we're only talking about a, a small segment of the market. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about the intergenerational wealth transfer as the baby boomers uh, pass on and then leave their wealth uh, to their um, beneficiaries. Uh, Something like uh, what's been mooted in the Fin Review, about $3 trillion of intergenerational wealth will be transferred across over the next couple of decades. Um, And that might help this live-vesting strategy because if people are expecting... uh, uh, inheritances, although it's not something that's uh, very popular to sort of talk about, um, it might be uh, of course, and the timing of, of that and quantum of that, that is obviously has some inherent uncertainty um, but there might be some planning that uh, that can be done there so there you go there's live vesting strategy uh, Doesn't uh, won't be appropriate for everyone, you need to be very careful with it, uh, but it could be a good strategy uh, that um, a, tick some lifestyle goals for you, and also B, um, make sure you can have a comfortable retirement. Uh, so that's it for this week. Until next week, bye for now.